Intersection is brought to you by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Learn more at touchpoint.health. So if you can get the hell out of your own way, everything is figure outable, right? Your life, your relationships, your business, what do you do with your kids? It's all figure outable. We just have to sometimes get out of our own way and, and believe that we can figure it out. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu. Storyteller. And I'm getting ready to ask you a question because you know that I still have that little postcard that you gave me. I do. And it's a very, very, I have it sitting on my shelf right in front of my laptop because I look at it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's all about sharing your passion with others, you know, harnessing your passion. Right. You've always kind of Peg me is one that's always been willing to share. So now I want you to share with us your passion. And I know it's kind of a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, because it seems like it should be bigger than telling stories, which is really my passion. It's why I do the work that I do. I guess, though, if you really boil down to it, my passion is people um, and really understanding different worldviews, different perspectives. I think that words matter, um, as is evidenced by the fact that when I found out you still had that note, I was kind of shocked. Um, And so I want to tell those stories of the people and perspectives and things that make us think and wonder and move us and stay with us. Introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My name's Allison uh, Andrews. I am the CEO, founder of Andrews Creative. I am an Emmy award-winning producer. I am a mom, which has to be part of my introduction because it's so a part of what I write about and do And I watch way too much Food Network and HGTV. (laughs) (laughs) Only passions, great passions, can elevate the soul to do great things. Dennis Diderot. Allison Andrews gave me a card with this quote one afternoon in 2005, while the roadshow crew from WCNC-TV in Charlotte, North Carolina, was preparing for a live television production. She always knew how to get the team excited about the live television events we were about to produce. Allison is one of the most passionate and creative people I know. And to be honest, I still feel guilty to this day when I had to tell her I was leaving television, ultimately, to go work for myself. At that time and still to this day, she is such a tremendous leader and mentor that I never wanted to disappoint her. But what is so funny, she called me when it was time for her to leave broadcast television news to work for herself. Allison has done more than embrace entrepreneurship and small business ownership. She has embarked on a journey of learning how to tell her own story. We journalists have a hard time with this creative shift in thinking. We are all built to tell other stories. Now her strong voice as a single mother fighting the world of business has created an avenue for her to share her own story on the largest stage. Now many seek her advice, knowledge, and creative expression to find the voices to their own stories. 
Well, I'm going to read the uh, the little note that you gave me, and I want to say that you gave this to me, God, it was probably 2005, 2000, yeah. something like that, on the road show, which was awesome, by the mm-hmm. way. We had fun. That was and groundbreaking live TV at the time. For It real. was groundbreaking yeah, it live was. TV. It was yeah. just, especially at the local level, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you don't, you didn't see too many people doing something like that. That was more of a national large O and O type of style production, you right. know? Right. But it says only passions, great passions can elevate the soul to do great things. Do you still agree with that? I do. How so? Because what else is going to get you out of your comfort zone? What else is going to elevate you to greatness other than something that you're truly passionate about? Um, it's a lot easier to stay with what you know. It's a lot easier to walk a path that's been walked before. So to really get you to a level of greatness really requires you to be passionate about something for you to care deeply enough about it to move your butt in a different direction. I remember the first production that I was a part of that you did was, I think it was the big Christmas thing. What was Uh, it? The live tree lighting. Yes. The live tree lighting. Yes. And me I was and Rick, me and Rick Yarborough still talk about this to, to to this day. We we talk about those live shows then. And it was just a massive production. Yeah. I mean, huge production. It was more than live TV. It was pure theatrics. <laughs> in so and many levels. Some. And then some. <laughs> yeah. I mean, theatrics on the stage and off the stage and just crazies all over the place. But the the thing that I thought I was like, how in the world is local TV doing a live production and we're creating everything? Like, where does that happen? And someone looked at me and goes, well, Allison's got a theater background. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. So talk about coming into local television and bringing the theatrical piece to the table in a way that no one has really locally done it before. Talk about that vision that, those building blocks and those visions behind some of those shows? Well, first of all, you have to understand that the time at at that time, TV was a little bit of a different landscape than it is now. Right. So the, there was a lot more experimentation. There was a lot more creative license uh, to really determine on your own, what was going to make for good TV. Um, And so what I knew is that uh, what I loved about the theater is how, how do we bring that to pieces, right? If you, you do it with your photography uh, where there might be an image or a certain thing that just captures attention in such a way that it just seems to stop everything else. And that's what I love about the theater, those moments where you're completely immersed um, and taken to a different place. And so with these productions, it was about making a good, a good experience um, not only for the people who were going to be there live, um, but also for the people at home. And and there's often a disconnect, right? You can have a really great live event that doesn't translate to TV, or you can have a really good TV show that is like boring to watch live because of the the way that it works and the cameras and, and everything that has to go into it. So it was trying to marry it so that it was really a good experience Um for, for everybody involved. So it's simply looking for those moments where you can um, 
find something and, and, and fortunately you take something like Christmas, right? It's easy to connect emotionally with people on, on moments or, or ideas, uh, that everybody can relate to. And so it's pacing those with a little bit of flash because we all like a little bit of flash. So you need some dancing and some lights. Um, and just trying to find the right balance of that. Um, and really it is choreographed a lot like you would a, a production. And you know, because I don't know, I think in the time that we worked together, you probably went through 10 pairs of sneakers <laughs> uh, running like, oh, sure. Bobby can get from one end of the football field um, in time for the fireworks in a minute and a half break. Yeah, he's got it. We've got it. We'll get the other shot over there. So, How fast can I run with a 30 pound camera yeah. and sticks and exactly. boards and stuff? Yeah. And so it's a production. So you have to time all of that exactly right. Like if you want that extra shot, how can we move all the pieces to get there right so there that to me is the fun part of it is fitting all of those things together and uh rolling the dice just enough because you know I'm a bit of a gambler in that way like I'm yeah. kind of like all right let's push it I think we can um without uh derailing the train as they say so it's it, it, that to me is was one of the best things um, in my TV career is is those live events for that reason because it was just putting all of that together that was so fun. So it it sounds like there was a lot of there it was more than just creating a show with great theater. It had to have some business behind it as well, correct? Yeah, and you know, um, anytime that you can bring together the community, I think there's opportunity for businesses to want to be involved um, because that's something positive that they can that they can get behind and shows their community in which they operate um, on a day to day basis in 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 a different kind of way, and that's exciting to be part of. So I think that's why those types of opportunities. Uh, when positioned the right way, really um, makes sense for businesses to support. So it's basically like walking up to the general manager's office, like, hey, I got a great idea. Can you fund my great idea so that I can go do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think when the road show happened, I think what actually, I think that actually came about, if, if I'm not mistaken, if my old memory serves me correctly, because we lost a syndicated program. And what they wanted to replace, like, I don't know, it was like, not Judge Judy, but it was something like that. Like it was some syndicated program. What they wanted to replace that wasn't readily available. And so they said, can you fill this spot until we can figure out this programming? So, right. so we basically, you know, created off of that. Um, and, and then, yeah. And then we had to say, okay, well now who's going to pay for this and <laughs> we gotta, we gotta figure that out. <laughs> so let's talk about that transition from just being a show producer that, you know, may, stacks a six o'clock show. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you have to credit that with, uh, uh, vision and leadership at the top. And certainly at the time, our news director, Keith Connors, had um, was a big supporter of creative disruption and shaking up the snow globe and, um, and seeing the beauty in that. So it was a matter really of what I, what I started to realize is, and they, and they still do it, Bobby, right? You know, we always produced to a certain person, Right. right. Even though anybody can watch the news and the news is certainly for anybody, um, newsrooms often have a particular demographic in mind that they are producing the newscast for. 
And at one point I got old enough and started to realize, hey, they're producing it for me. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you what I want to see. Um, You know, but but I think it's a matter of being able to articulate um, clearly an idea and why you believe it will work. And if you have a good leader that supports that kind of creative disruption idea and is willing to give it a try, um, then you've got half a shot, but it's kind of making your case for uh, why you should spend resources or time on something that's outside of the box. And again, um, it was a little bit of um, the timing of it all, because it was really at a time when the station was open to those types of things and was starting to make some movements and could see that thinking a little bit differently was going to pay off for them. Let's talk about timing. We were in local television in Charlotte at a time where social media hadn't really, right. really emerged. Mm-hmm. Um, we were dabbling with a couple things, how to translate television into the web and then also how to create this convergence of content with newspaper partners, right? Right. And so we were kind of in an exciting time that we could do a lot of fun things on the local level before all these things were really emerging. Talk about what made that time period so much fun for you. Um, well, there was just starting to be the rumblings of, do you break this on the internet before you break it on the six o'clock news? Or we'll do it on the six o'clock news and then we'll make sure that the web's ready right after that, right? Um, there were all those internal debates, which are now completely flipped on their head because um, everybody tries to break it first. So I kind of feel like really it was the last it was kind of the very end of TV as it used to be. It's really a different, the digital um, component has really made it um, a different landscape now, not just in terms of how news is broken, but in terms of people's attention spans, where they even get their news. So it was kind of at the end of this um, period where TV really was still the prime source of news. Um, People still watched news relatively faithfully. Um, you know, and now I I don't know that that's necessarily the case. So I think that's what made it a little bit of a different um, time. How did you realize it was time to seek something outside of television? That is a good question. It took me a long time because I, um, I loved this career very much, like very much. Um, And it really did creatively fill my soul for a very long time. And at a certain point, I just realized it wasn't. It just wasn't the same. I could do it with my eyes closed. There was no challenge left for me. And that was really the final thing. At the point where I thought, somebody said to me, even on your worst day, it's better than most people's best. And I thought, well, that's great, but I don't think that's really the standard by which I want to live yes. my life. Right, right, right. Like by going in and, and mailing it in and being able to do it with my eyes closed. I would like to do things with my eyes open so that I make sure I don't fall out of the car or that I don't fall off the cliff. So where can I find a cliff? What's that next frontier? And that was really when I knew it was really time. And even though I loved it, it had just... um, um 
I don't know, it had changed or I had changed or maybe a little bit of both. And I just knew it was time. I also knew, and you have probably experienced this. There are people who stay in TV, actually any industry for too long. And then they get like cranky pants. Yes. And I was like, I am not going out as cranky pants. Mm -mm. And the person that is the, you know, negative Nelly, I'm going out still loving this business. I'm going out um, that way. And so I thought now's the time. And that was about four years ago. You made a lot of transitions at one time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot. A lot. A yeah. lot of transitions. Yeah. Um, you know, you got out of television. I'll never forget the time that you called me and were like, was like, how did you do that? Yeah. And, and, and not to say that I knew how to do it, whatever that may be. Um, and I think I was in the kind of the same place as you is that I had done this. I had reached a certain pinnacle, you know, that I felt like I succeeded. I also knew that for me personally, that I was tired of carrying gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and it's I hard for a photographer. Yeah. And, yeah. and I hate to say it this way, but I felt like I had something more to give from my brain and my heart than looking through the lens. Right. And that was a hard thing to transition. And also there was kind of some demand there. You know, I also knew that the only way to make a decent living in television is either move up through the station or go to the bigger market where the cost mm-hmm. of living increases. And I didn't want to do that. And for me, it was it was a tough move. It was a scary move. And but I think journalists are built that way because we're not afraid of what's around the corner, because every day we walk into the station, we don't know what's around the corner. So we're kind of are willing to step out a little bit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's actually part of the reason that there is a a fear to some degree of leaving is because I didn't want to lose that, not knowing what's around the corner every day. Uh I actually enjoyed that part of it. So I thought, how do I create this new, this, this next chapter where I still have that feel on a day-to-day basis where I can still, it's, it's variety. You know, I wasn't ready to do the same thing in day in and day out. I knew I didn't want that, but I also was, like you say, ready for something else. Now a quick break to ask for your help. If you like Intersection, we would really appreciate you take a moment, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thanks so much for your help. Now, let's return to the show. Talk about all the transitions you went through when you left. Well, I left 23-year career in television, full-time television. I still work in it occasionally now, but um, full-time. Um I had been married for 23 years. That ended. Um, I had a daughter and I was in the closer to 50 than closer to 40 stage of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At the time. Now I'm really close to 50. But at the time, it was all of that. So it was uh, dealing with um, a very difficult divorce for me. It was uh, creating a new business that was going to be sustainable and soul-filling, but also pay the bills. Um, It was figuring out 
what I needed to do so that when I hit 50, I didn't feel 50. Um, so all that kind of came at once. Yeah, it was a lot of transitions. What was the hardest part? You know, the hardest part is what I think it is every day for everybody. I think the hardest part is believing you'll get to where you want to go. Believing that you may not know where you are, how you're going to get through this, whatever this is, right? How am I going to start a business? I didn't do, I did not even know how to, somebody said, oh, we'll put that on an Excel spreadsheet. I was like, huh? (laughs) Excel spreadsheet. Like, I don't even know how to make one of those. Like, (laughs) so, (laughs) so, you know, it's believing like, okay, well, you don't know how to make uh, an Excel spreadsheet, but you really are, you're a good writer. You're a good storyteller. You can get to where you need to go, right? It's those kind of things. It's the mind games that we play with ourselves, with whatever we're dealing with. That to me is always the hardest thing. So if you can get past, get the hell out of your own way, everything is figure outable, right? Your life, your relationships, your business, what do you do with your kids? It's all figure outable. We just have to sometimes get out of our own way and, and believe that we can figure it out. One of the things that I kind of wanted to chat with today a little bit is even talk a little bit about, you know, going through a divorce. My my parents were divorced. Um, my dad was not present for many years of my life after the divorce. Heck, I still go to therapy now over it. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it literally has kicked my tail in so many ways, so many ways. And I remember the first time I wrote the, uh, I think it was an article that you wrote. I can't remember if it was for Huffington Post or WAPO or something. Yeah, Washington Post. Yep. And I read it and I really had to chew on it for a while because I felt like you and I were walking down a similar path, but different paths Mm -hmm. because we had different perspectives on divorce. Yeah. Um, But I saw a lot of my mom in you because my mom had to go through an ugly divorce figure out how to raise kids, get them through school, be a strong mom, make money, you know, do all the right things and take care of what's important. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, keep a facade that you're strong. Right. How about you? Uh, Yeah. You know, the Washington Post article was interesting because it was the first time that a lot of people even knew. I mean, I didn't post about it on Facebook. I didn't. It's not that I hit it. I just you know, what do you say? Pass the turnips. Oh yeah. I'm getting divorced. Right. You know, like, <laughs> right. Right. Like, I, I don't, I just never knew how to really bring it up. Um, so if somebody would say, Oh, how is, you know, your husband? And I would say, well, he's not really my husband anymore. Um, and so that was, uh, so that article was really the first time that, um, a lot of people were really aware of what was going on. And, what I found interesting about that is that the response that I got to that and to people who reached out, who I had no idea had either um, been through uh, their own divorce. I had a, a photographer that I've worked with for years um, who I didn't even know had been divorced before. I know his current wife and his family, and I didn't even know. And he had said, reached out to me and um, or somebody who like you had been through it from the other side. Um, and so it was actually really interesting because it kind of gave me a, 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 a different perspective on things. And I thought what I knew is that I didn't want it to define me and I didn't want it to define my daughter. Um, and so it became, how do I do that? How do I make it truly just a chapter in 
a long life and not really change my story or define my story. And so that is what the the finding the balance has been. And sometimes that means not having a facade that you're strong and saying, you know what, today was really hard. Um, but letting her know uh, that things aren't always hard, right? Nothing hard lasts forever. It's not always hard. We just have to remember that it's not always hard. So while there are hard days, um, it's knowing it won't always be hard. I remember um, when I read that, this is about the time um, getting close to the twins for me. Yeah. Uh, the twins was the hardest Dude, thing. about changes. Oh, my God. The twins was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Absolutely the hardest. Yeah. And for me to say that, it's almost like in some way, many women would think that I'm minimizing what Sarah went through. But in some capacity, I think I did what you did is I had to write about it. Because I didn't, it, it's funny as storytellers, you would think that we have the capacity to openly talk about it the same way that we talk about the stories that we tell. Right. But, but in many ways, right. we kind of protect ourselves because we don't know. We're so used to telling people's their story, we're not sure how to tell our own. Right. Right. Because our words are so very precious. You know? Right. And when I started writing in my blog about the twins, and the challenges, yeah, and the I challenges, that. and the—I mean, it—it it was very hard. And so to go back and read because I'm—I'm I'm making it a book right now. I'm working through the book process. Oh, nice! It—it's hard to read. Yeah, you know. And so I imagine writing that is almost about your divorce is almost admitting so much because it is written then. Well, right. That's why you know when you put it out there. Um, that's the thing about our stories, right? They're when they're, once they're out there, they're out there. Um, and which is probably why people protect their stories and probably why it's hard to tell your own. It's easier to tell somebody else's. And so, yeah. Uh, but I think there's something cathartic about it. Um, ultimately, um, the, the most, the things that have been my greatest achievements in terms of publishing, right. Um, whether it's the chicken soup for the soul, um, story or whether it's the Washington Post or a anything that I would deem like in my top like things that I've achieved have all been the most personal stories to tell because they are our most real stories to tell. But I, I it did uh, the the whole ex that whole experience gave me a different perspective to, um, you know, the whole journalist uh, going to talk to somebody after a car crash or the kid whose mother died or the you know, uh, and people sometimes say, well, how can they do that? How can they ask those questions? And, and, and I'm, and I'm not getting into, uh, necessarily maybe, you know, how they've asked is sometimes not the right way, but the asking itself, I think, um, I understand more now than I did back when I was a young journalist or a producer sending a reporter to go do it. Because actually I think some people do want to talk about it. Some people that it because it does make them feel better telling those stories and those hard truths at the right moment you are ready to tell those stories and you feel better once they're done you're kind of like okay you know what i mean yeah so i i think when we can tell those truths um that's when you know that you're on to something the fact that you can go back and read those stories about your twins and the challenges and what that the difficulties that that was for you that means it's something good because it's hard to go back and read 
if we want to do just a basic analysis of that Washington Post article, you know, it was written in essence to other women. If you think about it from an audience perspective, women are going to connect with that story, right? Um, you know, men will too, but there is a sense of strong woman voicing her story, being open about it, and then showing that I am still strong, I'm moving, I'm defining my new life. And it came at a time when internationally, the women's movement, and I hate to call it just the women's movement, but it was a movement of women's voices that were really elevating to a point where other women were seeking those voices to read, to feel comfortable, to share their own. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I definitely think that that has been a good movement toward more women um, sharing their perspectives and their voices on a, a lot of different topics. Um, I am not as much as some people would say I'm, I'm, you know, certainly liberal leaning and feminist leaning, but I, I, I don't think that there is a hundred percent equality between men and women. I don't think that they should be. I think women are uniquely, um, are in a unique position and have unique voices. And that's what we need to celebrate. We don't have to, we don't need to sound like everybody else. We don't need to work the same way as everybody else does. Um, There are things that are about women that are, that are just women. Like, and I don't want to do some things like a man, right? Like, but I want to be heard the way I want to do it as a woman. So I think that's where there's a little bit of difference than maybe the women's movement of, you know, the, you know, back in the sixties that, um, you know, uh, that, that is an important distinction. Do you feel like that the many years of being a producer and telling stories and being and looking through the theatrical lens and sharing and painting narratives, that core time of your life has prepared you for small business ownership, entrepreneurship, single woman, tackling the world, bringing your own voice to the table, not everybody else's voice. <laughs> on one hand, I would say, I don't know, Bobby, are you ever prepared for small business ownership? Are you ever prepared to have twins? Are you ever prepared? You know, Hell no. uh, <laughs> right. right. Like, I don't know. Some days I'm like, but I tell you what it has done. It has given me um, a foundation to know I can ride the ups and downs. It's given me a foundation to know there is good and bad. It's given me a foundation to know I can figure things out, right? Like in the divorce, if I can figure out what to do, you know, X, now that my uh, husband's gone, I can figure out how to do an Excel spreadsheet, right? It, it's a confidence, um, I think, that comes with... Um, weathering all of that because certainly as a small business owner you absolutely have to have it i think your your mistakes are as important as your successes um in many many ways and so um it's having the right perspective i i think it's given me the right perspective on business ownership what are the types of projects that you like to take on now that you're now in a world where you can pick and choose the types of stories you can tell so really, I, I, I think of myself as a writer. Um, but when I'm talking to clients, I really kind of um, consider myself more of a content strategist. And that is because I can help you tell the story. But there is a lot more thought that goes into how and where and when and in what pieces 
um, because there are so many different outlets now, right? There used to be only one option for telling stories. You wrote it in print or you put it on TV, right? right? That was it. That's it. And and now there's, a, you know, there's 50 different ways um, to tell that story. So, so for me, it's at my core, right? I'm a storyteller and I'm a writer. I mean, I think of myself as a writer, but what I help people do is say, how do we take your story and present it in a way in, in, in various forms. So it reaches who they're trying to reach and how does that story play into whatever else they're working on? So yeah, really more these days I say that I'm a content strategist. I don't, I, I stick away from brand. That sounds too PR ish to me and yep. I'm not, that's not really my background. Yep. Um, but, but you know, I mean, creating content, whether that's an ebook, helping somebody with an ebook or create a video or make a really authentic um, newsletter that matters to their followers because we all get so many dang newsletters now. Most of them don't matter anymore. You know, those are the kind of things where I think I can help people differentiate a little bit better. Looking back over your career to this point, as you get ready to embark in the big 50 age, yeah, your daughter is growing up, you're doing new things. What is the new Allison and what do you have to tell other women out there that are in your same place that are embarking in the same journey? What would you tell them? So my heart right now is really in a project I'm working on called Mile Marker 50. And this is my plan to visit 50 places I've never been the year I turned 50. And for me, it is really about this idea. Now, while it's really going to be a lot about travel and how am I, how's a single mom going to save up for these trips? Um, I can't wait to do, to, to take my daughter to Paris and I can't wait to go see the Northern lights. And I can't wait to do some of these things that, um, I willingly put on hold, right? Like to start a family and to do and said, this is more important, right? A family is more important to me than all this stuff. But, but what it is really, um, what I want it to to say to women is um, that we all have these mile markers that c- could go either way, right? Mile markers tend to, um, they have a way that they can make people shrink, become a dimmer version of themselves. Um, and so whatever anybody's mile marker is, whatever your, whether that's a job, uh, a job, uh, it could be a job loss, right? It could be a divorce. It could be, um, it could be a big move and now you're in a new city and what the heck. Um, it could be a lot of things, but I think the idea is that these mile markers really can change us for the better and that um, it is okay to have our own dream. I said, you know, for 23 years of my marriage, which was by my choice only, I didn't really have my own dream. My dream was always like something with my husband, something with my daughter. It, I never really had my own. And I think that was probably bad on my part. Like, I think it's okay to have our own dreams and we can still be good wives and good mothers and good friends. And I would say to not lose that and to know that whatever it is that you're going through, um, that your voice does matter and you get to decide you, you get to decide how your life goes. We don't have to let uh, events or other people dictate that. And I think that is in the the work that I do. It's in the clients that I work with. It's that's kind of really my 
home base of where I work. Like, yes, tell your story. Yes, you have this unique talent. You need to be doing this. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. It's coming from that place, I think. The one and only Allison Andrews. <laughs> it is such a joy to talk to you, Bobby Rodeo. It really, it truly is. I mean that very sincerely. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts, including Datapoint, hosted by Greg Matthews, featuring trending topics as he explores the idea of the quadruple aim, enhancing patient experience, improving population health, improving provider experience, and reducing costs in the system. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.